My name is Aaron Stein, and I am the Chief Content Officer at War on the Rocks. You are listening to The Warcast, the members-only podcast for what you need to know now. Today, I'm joined by Andrei Paklitsky, a senior researcher at the United Nations Institute for Disarmament Research. Andre, it's good to have you on the show. Great to be here. Well, the reason why I wanted to have you on the show is that there's been news about U.S.-Russian bilateral arms control agreements. And by that, I mean the freezing, or at least the continued freezing, uh, of direct contact between the two sides that began during the COVID pandemic and has continued uh, throughout the war in Ukraine. Can you give the listeners a little bit of an update on what the Russian side has been saying about uh, potential talks between the two sides about the New START Treaty? Actually, depending on who you ask, the New START Treaty might be going really well. Uh, and if you ask officials on both sides, they would, that's pretty much what they would tell you. The U.S. would say, yeah, Russia's in compliance. Annual ABC report supported that. We have some issues, technicalities, but basically we are good. And the Russian side would tell you pretty much the same. New START Treaty is great. We support it. You know, general relations are bad. Those Americans are doing nasty things. But generally, we are fine. We value New START. But at the same time, as you said, we haven't had inspections under the treaty since pretty much the COVID pandemic. So it's more than two years now. And we had BCC meetings, which is implementation and problem resolution uh, body of the treaty. Well, from time to time. Uh, So to say, so we missed, they normally are two sessions in uh, spring and in autumn. So we missed the spring one because of war in Ukraine. And then they were trying to get the autumn one together and then Last week, Russia said, no, we're not going. So it seems to have actually some kind of problems going on, but uh, also both sides seem to at least want this process of uh, go further. So now U.S. is trying to say, well, as Russia said, it's only postponed. We're working on figuring out uh, how to move forward. But then again, uh, the the biggest uh, question here is why Russia canceled the, the meeting or postponed the meeting. And from Russia, what was saying from what Russia was saying, Deputy uh, Foreign Minister Yevko, but also spokesperson of the Foreign Ministry Maria Zakharova, and then Director for Arms Control uh, Yermakov. The main takeaway is that relations between Russia and the United States are bad. Uh, U.S. acts against Russian interests in different spheres. Ukraine was mentioned. So it's not truly possible to have BCC meeting under those conditions. And if that's the case, and this is the only way this meeting could happen, then it's not clear when it could happen, because it's not obvious that in a month or two or three, U.S. stops supporting Ukraine in a war with Russia. For listeners, inspections were stalled, I think, for obvious reasons during COVID, but there was an an effort to bring them back as people put the COVID pandemic behind them. But if I understand it correctly, the Russian side is saying basically the sanctions that have been placed against officials in response to the war in Ukraine need to be lifted or there need to be reciprocal actions in order to allow for the resumption of bilateral inspections. Do I Have I summarized essentially what's been going on? Yeah, well, maybe some nuances of that. So, yeah, the war impacted the inspections and the treaty in two different ways. So the one I already mentioned that relations are bad. So if, if this country is making 
um, you feel bad, you want to make them feel bad, so that could be at play. But the second is a reasonable point that there have been U.S. sanctions imposed on Russia. So for, well, not only by the United States, but the West. So there is no direct flights between uh, Russia and the United States to bring inspectors. And it's much harder for the Russians to get to the United States and vice versa, because the, the military planes cannot really fly through the Western airspaces. They cannot really stop for refueling because countries would not let them do that. So Russia was saying, before we can get back to inspections, we have to figure those technical issues out. And that's quite reasonable. And when you talk to U.S. officials, they were saying, yeah, that makes sense. We'll have to do it. But then again, the best place to do it would be bilateral consultative commission, which was just canceled. So I I think the backdrop to this, of course, is that New START was extended for five years at the beginning of the Biden administration. And I think we're, what, two years, two years and change away from when when it's going to expire. These treaties, well, these treaties take, take a long time to negotiate. And so if we are having this problem over the reciprocal visits of inspections and the war expects to continue, where is this going for the future of U.S.-Russian arms control? The short answer, we don't don't know. The larger answer is another set of questions. So the United States has been saying that Russia is uh, implementing the New START Treaty to the letter. There's no problems with it. And that's the only treaty which the United States said it's about because all the others, there are concerns that Russia might be violating. Uh, now, this could be seen as a violation of the uh, New START Treaty by Russian Federation. We've already seen this from the Republican side. So Marshall Billingsley on Twitter said that, yeah, this is a violation of the treaty. It's not clear if the current administration would want to name this as a violation. They probably wouldn't. They'll try to work behind the uh, stage to, to make sure this Inspections are happening to this moves forward. But then again, the longer this continues, uh, the more pressure would come from the right in the United States and frankly from more and more people, which would be saying, look, you haven't had inspections for two years, for three years, for four years. How can you be sure that, you know, the things that Russia is sending you in the exchange of information are true if you cannot verify them, right? So that would be a big problem. And then, of course, if there is new Republican administration, they had no love with New START from the beginning. This would be a huge, you know, incentive for them to just ditch the treaty altogether. Uh, but also we have a, another problem that we've seen Russian approach to the treaty getting harder and harder as the situation unfolded and as the relationship are getting worse. So we can ask a question if Russia can just leave altogether because of the same reasons that it's getting tougher on the treaty um, well, my, my gut feeling is that probably nobody would want to withdraw and to give this, you know, the other side uh, the opportunity to say, look, this is the other side that withdrew, we were perfectly fine with this treaty. And also, it doesn't seem that US or Russia want to have strategic nuclear weapons arms race because it's expensive and both have other ways to spend their money. But... Uh, you know, we've seen we've seen treaties to fall before, uh, starting from implementation issues, and in the process, you just find out that neither side was that committed to the treaty, and then the treaty just uh, falls down again. If the treaty disappears, I would imagine the sides would try to stick to the limits because, as I said, like nobody needs extra thousand 
uh, ICBMs or something we are kind of balanced at the moment. But then again, the, the fear is that if there is no treaty and the times go by, there are voices in each country who would say, look, we might be better off if we build something. Maybe not a lot, but maybe something. There are voices in the United States who are saying, look, we have to face two peer competitors. We have China now. So if you're not bound by the treaty, maybe we should increase. I'm curious, you know, for, for listeners too, like how these debates are playing out in Russia as well. I mean, you're, you're, like, are there voices as well, prominent ones with influence? Because you certainly see them in the U.S. that are calling for a buildup of forces. You know, in the absence of this treaty, as these issues with inspection continue to compound, is that is there an argument being made that it may be in uh, Russian interests to build up forces. I know personally you don't believe that, but are there people in the country who, who make this argument and do you see that becoming more salient in the debate? Not yet. I wouldn't say so. There, are, there is still modernization going. So, for example, the older Voivoda missiles, the heavy ones, are being replaced by Sarmat missiles. And then the older, like, Topols uh, being replaced by Yars. So, it, like, it's not like nothing is happening with Russian strategic forces. They are being modernized. You have avant-garde, the um, boost glide hypersonic vehicles mounted on them. So, there is this little bit of quality change. So, people may be not that interested in quantitative. But then again, it, it could easily change. And uh, again, Strategic missile forces were always one of the top priorities. So even during the 90s, when Russian military was not in the best shape, those were the places where you still spent money because you wanted to have deterrence with the United States, a great power status, uh, you name it. So if there is no treaty, and if U.S. is building something, or even there are rumors that U.S. is building something, or U.S. might be building something, you, you would hear those voices more and more and louder and louder from the industry, from the, you know, circles of uh, patriotic military bloggers who got more and more prominence now in, in the Russian uh, society. And uh, yeah, uh, probably not now, but if there is no treaty, nothing is stopping you. Why not? So final question as we wrap up here is, I think it's no secret that relations between Russia and the United States are terrible. You know, maybe the worst uh, that they've been since the 1950s or, or maybe the worst ever. A lot of people will want to view arms control as a way to sort of wall off areas of cooperation, is that we can still work together on this area because we have shared interests. What is your prognosis for that, given the likelihood that sanctions on Russian officials will continue. They'll be very difficult to lift in the U.S. domestic political debate. And sanctions have, have sort of emerged as one of the central pillars of the Russian dissatisfaction, or at least of the Russian narrative about why they want to continue to hold off on bilateral inspections, at least one of the pillars. So what are your thoughts on that? I think it's worse than sanctions, really. I think we are at the point, and, and as you said, there is a wish among the people who maybe deal with this that those things would be stonewalled but this is not happening they're not stonewalled anymore so if russia or russian leadership see this fight as existential for russia and they see that us is trying to take russia down 
then in that sense, continuing cooperation with the United States on anything could be seen as a no-go. Why would you cooperate um, with, with, the, with your enemy? And especially if you believe that U.S. would only cooperate with you on things U.S. wants. So then you know that this is something U.S. wants, so why would you give them that? And that's that's really powerful incentive, and it's hard to see how you can go past it. I would imagine that some broader relationship could or should be defined as at least having possibility of non-zero sum, so that we are not competing to destroy each other, and maybe if we can still cooperate in some of the things, because obviously it is in both countries' interest, it's been since, you know, 1970s, to have some kind of rules of the game. But then if you believe that, you know, you are losing under the rules of the game, maybe you just decide that you overthrow the, those rules. Um, again, a lot of this could be more of a symbolic things, not real life things. So if, for example, having, you know, treaty with U.S., having inspections with U.S., and, you know, sitting at the same table is seen as unacceptable, but you can still not want to have nuclear arms race. So if basically you just say, okay, we're leaving this treaty, we're not having any contact with you, but we are not increasing in any way, and we're also making sure that the other side sees that we're not increasing and you know, some of those things you can see, like, you know, silos building or filling them with missiles and so on and so forth. So I think that that would definitely stick. I, I just don't see why would anybody need uh, getting to the levels of the Cold War. So, you know, there are, I would say, levels of despair to which we can fall still. But, but you still feel that we are not going all the way down to all out nuclear arms race because eventually it's in nobody's interest. Well, let's hope that you're right on that, uh, or maybe some listeners will will, will hope that uh, you're wrong on that. But with that, uh, Andre, thank you for joining the Warcast. And just a reminder for listeners, Andre is speaking just for himself here. All the opinions expressed are his alone and not that of the United Nations. So with that, thank you again for listening.